everybody. It's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney. Over there, Steve. <laughs> and today, uh, we're back in the books. We'll be talking about Sycorax's Daughters, an anthology of horror fiction from African American women. Yes. Uh, as per usual, uh, we don't look at the entire book in a single episode, we break it into smaller, more digestible pieces. Yes, and we're even digesting it even more today because this book is poetry and prose. And since I feel that I am completely unqualified to deal with poetry at all, we are skipping the poetry. You can blame it on me. Now, this book is uh, 28 short fiction stories and 14 poems. Uh, It is a massive, massive book. Yeah, it's really big. Uh, Paperback counts up at 565 pages. Yeah. So this is this is worth the money you pay for it. Just just because the sheer volume of of fiction in this book. Yes, it's uh, published by what is it? Uh, Cedar Grove Publishing. And the uh, there's I believe three, maybe four editors in this collect uh, anthology. Yeah, there's three. Um, there is if I'm mispronouncing names, I'm sorry. Um, Kenitra Brooks. PhD, uh, Linda D. Addison, and uh, Susanna Morris, also PhD. Why is it called Sycorax's Daughters, Rodney? What is the well, significance of that? Well, Sycorax is a character from Shakespeare's The Tempest, the mother of Caliban, ah. a powerful, powerful witch, Sycorax she, is. She was the witch whom Prospero stole the island from. Yeah. Um, and she does not actually appear in the play. She is a haunting presence that is ever in the minds of people and, and in their actions, but she actually does not appear herself. So I think part of the reason they called it Sycorax's Daughters was to kind of um, just exp- point out that a lot of times that um, not only are African-American voices lost in uh, genre fiction, horror fiction, fantasy fiction, but women, African-American women's voices are lost even more in, in the, uh, in the storm, if you will. Yep. That's, that's very true. That's very true. And it being February, which is black history month and women in horror month, what better work to look at in the month of February? Uh, it was a post, I think it was by Milton Davis, um, turned me on to this mm-hmm. when, when he was, uh, um, you know, just pumping the signal. And uh, this is, if you haven't listened before, this is how we do it. We pretty much just go down the list and do a brief synopsis story by story, uh, talk about our, our thoughts on it, any particular themes that st- stood out to us. And then go from there. Yeah. So let's get right into it because I've said it time and time again. Uh, the first story in an anthology is always the most important. And this one has probably one of the wildest names of, of any story we've read. Okay. Say it without taking a breath. <laughs> Tree of the Forest, Seven Bells, Turns the World Round Midnight. By Cherie Renee Thomas. That is correct. 
Um, so how, do you feel that this story really um, drew you in a, and is representative of what you've read so far? Um, first off, yes. Uh, it did its job perfectly as being the opening to this, this anthology. Um, you know, it, it, it is a classic weird tale. Uh, it is, you know, it just starts fairly mundane and then just gets, keeps getting stranger and stranger and stranger. And we get this, this, this shocking ending and, it, and, and, and an abrupt ending really. And it's just, yeah. So yeah. once, once I finished, once I finished this story, I was like, yeah, we're in for a wild ride. Yeah. If this, yeah. Is, if this is the opening batter, this is going to be a hell of a game. Yep, lead off. Definitely let off. Got on base. Mm-hmm. Um, so your your basic story is um, it opens up with a pair of lovers um, going into the woods. Um, obviously, the the girl part of the the duo Thistle mm-hmm. is uh, in charge, and she is leading the way. But it is told from um, the the guy's point of view. Wilder. Wilder. And uh, it, it, first impressions, it seems like it's a couple of hippies, basically, mm-hmm. um, you know, who, who are going to do something naughty in the woods. It turns out that she's taking him to meet her mama mm-hmm. in the woods. And then they give a little history about how they got together and uh, what his his because it's all from his point of view, what his attitude is toward right. her. Um, and, and you see kind of how it, how his attitude evolved from he's only in it for one thing mm-hmm. to being slightly more um, emotionally attached to this woman and, uh, you know, having feelings for her. Right. Uh, which happens to be his downfall. Which which makes it very interesting in that as we are being led deeper and deeper into the 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 forest near the Mississippi River around Memphis, uh, he's coming to these revelations. He's going forward uh, from from his old world and into a new world, and we are being pulled in with him deeper into the woods and farther away from the mundane world where we started before we opened the page, opened the book. Right. And and as we go deeper and deeper into the, the unknown, into the forest, uh, we also get deeper and deeper into their history together. Mm-hmm. Um, how they met, um, the weird, like the weird quirks that Thistle has about her. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, they met at a lecture about um, John Coltrane, sacred geometry and physics. Yep. Which is, uh, as, as soon as John Coltrane was mentioned, you had me. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and the greatest bass player ever was mentioned, not by yeah, name. Yeah, I don't know that if uh, John Entwistle was. Um... <laughs> oh, see, see, I think you're going to start a debate right there. So I'm a big Who fan. <laughs> Oh, but if you know, it's jazz. So. We all know it's Milton. Hinton. No, it's Richard Davis. <laughs> um, and and as as like I said, as they go further and further into the woods, you learn 
um, that Thistle has over the course of their relationship, which has not been very long, she has changed. Mainly in her sleeping habits. Mm-hmm. Um, she now, and he thinks it's like, it's some form of, uh, what is it called? Like sleep paralysis. Right. That she suffers from where um, she just lies there. Mm-hmm. Stiff as a board. Doesn't even look alive. Right. And, and she, uh, I guess she, when that started happening, she also started eating meat, which she wasn't doing before. Mm-hmm. She had, she had a very abrupt shift in, in, uh, habits, even, even in personality a little bit. Right. And yeah, and it was like, it wasn't a slow transformation for her. It was right. This one minute that just snapped. And then she decides it's time for, for her dashing bow to meet mother. Yes. The the great thing I liked about the, because I usually don't like, journey descriptions i don't mind Mm -hmm. the journey but i think a lot of people get bogged down in like details of the journey which um is kind of boring to me but uh during this journey in the woods things happen and as they go deeper and deeper in there's more um plant plant uh words used i guess descriptive plant words Mm -hmm. so um so and especially when when well even Thistle's name, yes, but especially when you're describing her actions and and where she is, you get a lot of um, a lot of that organic, mm-hmm. or, organic language. Not what you know, right, right. Um, one of the things that struck me and made me really enjoy the story so much more, and this is another thing I've mentioned before. Is that you know this is the description of the Mississippi River, and and the environs surrounding it. Now I'm from a little bit further south than Memphis, but you know just listening to the description of the trees and how the dirt reacts and, and things like that is just like all of these all these my own memories of walking in the woods as a kid uh, comes back, and it really just helps me place myself as an observer to these events. I don't know if you ever read pigeons from hell. Uh, no, it's kind of got like, like that, that same kind of like a uh, environment mm-hmm. flavor to it. But um, as they go deeper and deeper to meet mama, um, she starts playing tricks on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, she gets him barefoot so that he can feel the, 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 you know, the earth, the loam under in his toes, and then she ditches him. Mm-hmm. In the dark. Yeah, in the woods. And um, we're not going to spoil the ending to any of these stories. Yeah. Uh, as this is a fairly recent book, and as always, you should get it, check it out for yourself, find yes. out how these stories end. Yes. But there we go. I mean, that was just the, the best opening we could hope for. Well, and, and just the fact that, the, just the buildup for this story... Mm-hmm. Is great because I mean, as as they're walking further and further in, it just gets more and more intense, and and you go from thinking this guy is just another schmuck looking for a little bit of action 
to actually caring about him and what happens to him, which makes what finally ends up happening all the more powerful. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, The next story on the list is uh, Scales by Charlene Sherrard. Now, this isn't necessarily a horror story explicitly. It's more of a very personal kind of horror. Yeah, this, this, uh, well, it's, it's not a spoiler to say that this is the story of, uh, the monster. Mm-hmm. And to an the, extent. Yeah. Well, you know, tr- the traditional monster. Right. Um, and what, what she goes through, mm-hmm. you know, emotionally and, and in her mind, and, you know, just by being what she is have this this woman who is um half siren and half human who is torn between the two worlds Mm -hmm. um and she doesn't just due to circumstances genetics or whatever she doesn't belong really in either world right uh she's not quite human enough to be normal as a human but she doesn't have all the the abilities that a siren would have either she can't swim Um, and her sister her twin sister is fully functional as a siren and wants nothing more than for her to be a siren as well. The interplay between the two sisters is that the the one sister fully embraces her heritage, proud of who she is uh, and what she can do and perhaps even her larger role in the mythological world that we're occupying. Right. And our main character is terrified of this she's being pulled by the her her true nature but she's also being anchored here and there are consequences to this she's in she's in danger of of dying essentially because you know she she refuses to fully embrace right her, her nature as a siren or she needs to to maintain some sort of relationship with the water um or she or she will die mm-hmm. uh I think, and maybe I'm reading too much into this, but I think there's definitely like the uh, a metaphor of the African American experience going on in here, um, where you know you have like this individual who is torn between her heritage and society at large, and she has to make some difficult decisions. Very, very fantastic story, it, and mm-hmm. it it's kind of on theme for a lot of the stuff that we have read. Mm-hmm. Um, in in terms of like uh, usually it's it's deep ones. Yeah, actually, it reminded me of the story we read last year uh, about the deep one who didn't mm-hmm. undergo the change. Yep, I was thinking of that story as well. That was uh, that was from the uh, Dreams from the Witch House collection. All right, next up on the list is Letty by Regina N. Bradley. Now this this one I I really enjoyed is it. Begins with a death. The entire story takes place as this character is dying. Right. Is trying to basically be convinced that she's actually dead. Mm -hmm. And it has this interesting kind of folk story aspect to it in that the character of Letty uh, is an avatar of death, so to speak. She's like kind of a psychopomp. But she she also has her own tragic backstory and her form as a psychopomp is related to that backstory. Right. And we get this like almost um, Candyman 
type of situation going on. Yeah. Uh, Letty was a slave. There's a bit of horror right there. Right. This is a theme that comes up a couple of times in the stories we read for this section is is the horrors of, of slavery overlapping into this world of Not supernatural really. horror. It's definitely you have the uh, a, a couple of these stories have that theme of the the like you said, the horrors of slavery, the past um, and the, just echoing into the present. Uh, now, this is a very short story, so you know, forgive us if we don't spend a hell of a lot of time on it. Yeah, because it's it's very moving. Um, but Letty is kind of she 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 strikes out for revenge against her owners and ends up having to pay a terrible price for standing up. Essentially, I mean, some of the things that happen because like the bulk of the tale is a flashback. Of mm-hmm. Letty's story, right, where she's explaining to uh, the the narrator why she wears the mask, right, why she appears the way she does, and her the, the she was a, a house slave mm-hmm. um, who caught the eye of her of her master, the the owner of the plantation, and even though she tried to avoid contact with him, he still had his way with. And his wife, who was a very jealous woman. Mm, and very cruel. And very cruel, blamed her for, for what went on. Mm-hmm. When uh, she wasn't, she was, Letty was completely blameless. And it just, it just struck me as just like the ultimate injustice. And you, you, I guess you see this all the time. Um, where where people think so in such a way that uh, they can't see the forest for the trees. Mm-hmm. So it couldn't have been my husband because my husband is an upstanding white man. Right. So it had to be the, the slave girl. Right. Trying to steal my husband. husband. Right. It had to be her fault. Today you get people who, when uh, shown uh, irrefutable evidence of idiocy at top levels of, of the government, the person with the least amount of power in the whole equation is mm-hmm. the cause because the person with the most amount of power needs to be upstanding and can't be anything but upstanding. Letty, for the cruelty of the plantation owner's wife to her, uh, starts poisoning her Sunday jam with mulberry sap. I actually had to look that up because you could make mulberry jam. Right. But apparently the sap is is poisonous. Mm. And it's a slow-acting poison, and it causes you to hallucinate, apparently. Woo! Which is even creepier, so we get this uh, this ghost story sort of in the middle of this ghost story, which is really great because you end up with with all of these different layers in in the cake. There's so much here to, to enjoy. Bradley just creates this really creepy atmosphere going on here and despite the fact that miss letty is just horrifying looking if you were to actually see her you really end the story feeling sorry so so sorry for her yeah yeah she didn't definitely did not deserve what she got no 
definitely not. And, and, and unfortunately, that's the case so often in the real world is that, you know, people, people end up suffering and, and the people that cause the suffering end up getting away scot-free. Right. There definitely is a whole lot of victim blaming going on here. All right. Next up on our list is Malaja by Tracy Baptiste. Now, <laughs> first and foremost, first and foremost, this story is a bit of a challenging read because it's written in this pigeon. Yeah, it's written in, in dialect, definitely. It's something that I had to read out loud to myself. Mm-hmm. It, it took a couple of reads, but once you get into it, because the language, it, you're reading it either out loud or in, in you know, the voice in your head is reading it, there's something, there's something wrong about the language. And it fits so very well with the narrative that's going on in the story because the narrative itself, there's just something so very wrong about it. Yeah. And what we have is we have this type of creature um, who I I believe is in the Caribbean. Yeah, I want to say yes. And she's going through and she's going on this killing spree. Right. She's a cow. Right. So she's like a cow demon type of creature with cold dead eyes. <laughs> no. <laughs> Who is pretending to be a woman. Right. And she, because she found these shoes. Because she found these shoes. And it's such a strange story. And, and it's, it's kind of off kilter. It is and because it's not only do you have that language that that it's being told in that kind of like makes you have to reread passages and and it's very poetic but the events that are happening told in this language are so freakish mm-hmm. and out there that it, it it's it's very surreal to read this story Yes. Very, very surreal. And once again, this one is also rather short. Yeah. So this one is kind of like had that folky element to it as mm-hmm. well. Like uh, almost like a, uh, you know, an urban or an island legend kind of feel to it. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Told from the, the, the monster's point of view. Yes. And, and the monster really doesn't seem like the monster is more like a force of nature. This isn't just a nap. This is something that just happens. Yeah. So, and the the monster is Malaja mm -hmm. or Malaga. And, and her purpose is to eat men. Mm -hmm. And that's what she does. She, She kills and eats men. Ain't no big deal. Nope. That's what she does. Um, she got the shoes and went to town. Mm-hmm. Got um, the shoes, and she wears the shoes. She wears the shoes, so she doesn't give away what she is. But everybody recognizes the shoes. Everybody recognizes the shoes. <laughs> but nobody recognizes her for what she is, and that's the guy, the dead guy. Those were the shoes that were stolen, right? <laughs> like everybody knows what these shoes are all about. 
Yeah, they must have been. They must have been some hellacious shoes. They were Jimmy shoes or something. Uh, uh, but yeah, this, this you, like you said, this story has a very folky element. Uh, one thing that I really enjoyed about this, about Malaja and Letty are that these character these stories take place in this kind of nebulous location, kind of an any really kind of an anywhere. Even though you know there are many cues to let you take. That, that suggests that Malaja takes place in the islands. Yeah, I mean... But I it's nowhere in particular. Right, it's not Bermuda or the Bahamas. Right, it's not Saint Thomas. specific. Right. And that makes it more interesting because it's like, okay, these events are not necessarily tied to a specific location that they can happen anywhere. Right. And the same, the same with Letty is that Letty can appear anywhere. Right, and and you kind of get the feeling that um, Malaja um, is something from before, like maybe maybe a, an entity or a tradition that came over to the Caribbean from from Africa mm-hmm. when people came over. Right. It, it, it I mean, because you get this sense, and I don't want to give it away, but you get the sense that like the spirit and and the physical form that it occupies it's old mm-hmm. i mean it's not like a new thing this is like an old and you get the impression that she's tired right and that this is just what she does and this is how she goes about doing it mm-hmm. and it also appears that you know you you mentioned that she's old and she's tired and and it's like it's almost like it appears to be a cycle yeah, it occurs for so many, so long, but then it ends until the next time. Right, and and this and this creature is as bound to this cycle as the horrors that it has to commit. It right. it doesn't have a choice. That's what it does. It wakes up, it kills a few people, kills kills a few men, and then goes back to sleep for a little while. Right, or it does other things. Or, right, whatever it happens to do. Right. So, but the, the the cool thing about the way it's written, um, the language used, is it, it leaves it very open to uh, to the reader's imagination mm-hmm. as to what, not the events that are going on, because that's actually pretty clear, but like the greater um, context mm-hmm. of of what. Uh, Malaja actually is and what her story is and you know it doesn't give you an explanation it gives you a few hints a few clues and you could you know extrapolate from there yep my Malaja may be different from your Malaja quite possibly all right and the final story we're going to look at this evening is born again by Rochelle R. Smith Spears Uh, now this is yet Another really well done who is the real monster story. It has the, it, there's a vampire. There's two. There's two vampires. And so you have your classic horror monster occupying a world in which real world horrors kind of overshadow that. Right. So, I, and, and again, this is like a more modern, but still. I got the feeling this happens like this was the seventies, right? Did you? Mm, 
you know, I kind of got a, a feeling that it could have been the 70s, but it's also kind of a, you know, kind of an anytime sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, it just kind of had like that, uh, that, that vibe of like. Well, we know for a fact that our main character, Jane, is, uh, has been a vampire for 142 years. I heard, I heard some wapettle maybe. Jane is, she's a vampire. And we meet her. She's feeding. Yeah, uh, she's, she, she's a vampire from day one. There's no mystery of what she mm-hmm. is. She's a vampire, right? And and she's kind of like almost laughing at herself, you know, because she's be- letting herself be this cliche. Yeah, <laughs> she is. She's like she's like reveling in the fact that she's like this Anne Rice kind of sexy vampire leather pants <laughs> red leather bodice you know she's she's awesome she can just like look at a man and give you know give him a come hither stare next and he's lunch right and you know she's you know sneaking in people's houses and, and doing the the whole brom stoker thing and she is but she loves it. She just absolutely loves being a vampire right. because being a vampire has given her power. Right. And she has used her vampiric powers to do good for people mm-hmm. uh, throughout her history. Uh, she helped with slave revolts. Mm-hmm. She helped um, with suffrage. Mm-hmm. She turned turned several suffragettes into vampires. Right. So so she she has like um you know throughout history um been a an overall force for positive change. Right. right. She's, she's a vampire. she's a social justice vampire. That's right. And and you like her. And you know, yeah, she's, she's cool. Yeah, she's a pretty cool lady, you know. It's like well, she wouldn't eat me. She might be fun to hang out with. Yeah, well, I mean, it also sounds like she doesn't. She like kind of restricts herself to to eating assholes, right? At her her meal that you learn she's a vampire. She sees a guy who is uh, abusing his girlfriend, mm-hmm. right out in public, and uh, she decides to do something about it because she's a social justice vampire, right? And uh, that's when. The plot starts to happen. She meets a she meets a young woman named Jackie, who who is the uh, the receiving end of this abusive relationship. Right, Jackie and Carlo. Jackie and Carlo. Carlo is started out as a great, wonderful guy. He was a Black Panther, you know, and you know everything was hunky dory, and then. You know, she she couldn't have children, and they were getting at the age where all Carlo's friends had children, and it became more and more about Carlo, and and he just would like slap her around, and it's just just really awful situation that she's in. Jane, being being who she is, and 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 really feeling that her vampirism has enabled her to be empowered, and and her desire to be this force for positive change. Is you know Jackie? Why do you put up with this shit? Yeah, let me help you out. Let me help you out. And Jackie's like, no, no, no. Jackie, as it turns out, is a very religious woman, right? Well, you'd almost have to be to put up with Carla, right? But you know, she's always this this kind of turn the other cheek. No, it's okay. You know, I have to honor my husband type of thing. But Jane just really 
can't. She can't. She she can't fathom that. She can't get behind that. Right, and and you think that at, at first you think Jackie has um has a what do you call it Stockholm syndrome Stockholm syndrome yeah because who would want to stay with a a dude like that and it turns out that Jackie is also a vampire Da-dum. and that she feels that where Jane feels that her vampirism is an empowerment and gives her the ability to do all of these great things um, help out people when she can and and you know both sati- satiate her hunger and rid the world of an asshole or two along the way Jackie believes that it's a curse that she by nature of being a vampire is now inherently evil she believes it is a punishment from god right for for having an abortion for having an abortion and infidelity now, of course, the infidelity was because she was seduced by a vampire. Right. Let's face it. You can't help that. I mean, that's right. you're, you're blameless. Right. Exactly. I mean, Jane tells us right now that anybody she tries to seduce has no power to resist at all. If she's feeling guilty, it's because she probably feels that she would have done it anyway. Possibly. Carlo is definitely an asshole. There is no there is no redeeming quality to this this character at all. No, and he's even more of an asshole because he used to be cool, right? But he let circumstances. Um, and you find you find yourself you find yourself on Jane's side. Well, at least I did as a reader. Oh yeah, Jackie, you know, wake up, kid. You know, you can do something about this, right? You're not trapped. Nope, you're totally empowered, and the only thing holding you back is your is your beliefs. Hmm. Which, metaphorically speaking, is what happens for a lot of people. That's true. Now, we get a little bit of Jane's background, and Jane has a horrific... I mean, the real horror in this story is what happened to Jane. Right, and and very similar to... Uh, to, to the story you know, of Letty. Yeah. Um, you know, she was, she was a slave. And the circumstances surrounding her situation were unbelievable. Mm-hmm. She was uh, she she fell in love with another slave from a different plantation who was lent out to the plantation she was on. Mm-hmm. They were going to get married, and he was um, actually able to buy his his freedom. Mm-hmm. And they were going to get married, and, and but her her master uh, didn't want any of that. No, would not allow him to buy her freedom or to marry. Right. And they decided that they were going to do it anyway. If they weren't going to be married in the eyes of the law, they'd be married in the eyes of the Lord. So they had a secret wedding. So they had a, 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 a not-so-secret secret wedding. Well, you know, right. The plantation owner finds out, right. busts into the room and says, you know, y'all are mine, y'all are my property, I'm the power, and proceeds to rape both of them. Yeah, I mean, just like, Wow. And it, it, it really just shows like the horror and the depth that people will go to mm-hmm. to preserve their uh, their power and mm-hmm. and you know their sense of of self. And that's that's really the the horror of this story. It's not so much it, the horror of the story is what happens to Jane and her origin and what is currently happening with Jackie. Right. It, it's definitely a the horror is, you know, in in 
power inequality uh, and between, between white people and black people, between men and women. I mean, really, that's what it boils down to. And and how you know this the vampirism is the empowering thing, sadly mm-hmm. enough, where they, they can't be equal, like just on in in regular terms. They have to have something that empowers them from the outside. Mm-hmm. And it's a, the way a lot of particularly men, even more particularly men on the internet, view empowered women, view people who crave you know, just basic human dignity. Right, right. Exactly. Like they want equality and it's people want nice. equality. They want to be treated like people. They want to be treated like equals. They want to they want to be treated as, you know, with the value that their lives actually have. And and when when they ask for that, they're there's described a as monsters, described, right? Well, they're described as 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 taking away from them in order to get equality, which mm-hmm. never made any sense to me, because you know the only thing that happens is everybody gains. People who have power can't see that, and and it's not even like shitloads of power. It's like you know just being white. Being a man, he says, as he's both white and a man. Mm. <laughs> we we might be the wrong two people to be discussing. That's right. It's easier to to express this, I think, in a story like this, right? Where where you know it's disguised as a as a as a tale, as opposed to flat out just telling somebody. Because you're going to tell somebody, you're going to get reactions, maybe not as as virulent. Mm-hmm. That has happened in this story, but you will get you'll get an earful at the very least. We have all of these poisonous mindsets that are at play in society and and especially right now, and seeing them set against just two individuals who just want to be who they are. Right. It it I does. Mean, it's once again, this story the story is Jane telling Jackie, "Be who you are, not mm-hmm. what." Carlo expects you to be not what Pastor John or whoever expects you to be. Just be who you are and don't be ashamed of who you are. So even though even though it's it's a horror story, there is a, a positive and empowering message going on here. Right. That's another thing that makes horror and speculative fiction powerful in itself is that it can use this mythological framework to criticize and condemn certain views. In society, so yeah, that's the first part of Sycorax's daughters. Yep, you know we're about let's see, it's about one percent done. Yeah, about well, <laughs> about maybe a third, a third of the way in. Um, and definitely, I'm just I'm just gonna go out and say, get this book. You need this book. And and we haven't covered these, but there are there's also poems in this book as well, mm-hmm. which, which read very well. Um, but like I said, I'm they, they they read very well and they're organized into the book um, almost thematically where the theme of the poem ties into the stories on either side of it. Yes. And so it's very well constructed, even though we didn't analyze the poems because, you know, because I suck. We already look like big enough idiots as it is. Uh, if you know you can't afford to go out and pick it up, you know, I believe digital copies are available as well, or get your library to order it. 
but definitely uh, check this out. So yeah, it's definitely a, a meaty book as, as you've discovered in the few stories that we've covered so far, lots of stuff to unpack here, lots of stories to enjoy. It's really cool that, you know, we read, we read a lot of horror stories and it's nice to have horror stories that also carry a message in their DNA as well. But uh, something like this definitely helps propel what you normally think of as genre fiction into the realm of literature. Yes. Because, I mean, to me, definitely run out, grab this book. In fact, you can start picking it up and, and reading it. Uh, How to speak to the bogeyman by Carol McDonald. And you can catch up and read along with us next week as we continue our look at Sycorax's daughters. Yes. But until then, 30 luck points. Keep, keep those 30 luck points and uh, we'll see you later. <laughs>